One of my general homiletic principles is that longer gospels should get shorter homilies. <laughs> we'll see if it works out that way today. Uh, today's gospel gives us three parables, the lost sheep, the lost coin, and the prodigal son. Most people tend to take the parables at face value, and I think that's a mistake. Parables aren't designed as simple, pious stories to teach a simple moral lesson. The parables are either stories with a twist at the end or with some kind of outrageous hyperbole designed to overturn our expectations and to shake loose a new way of thinking about our relationship with God. And this is certainly the case in these first two parables. If you're a shepherd charged with watching a hundred sheep and one wanders off, you do not leave the 99 unattended to look for the unlucky one. That is crazy talk. You count your blessings that you've lost only one. Really, the standard was like 10% loss is acceptable. You don't run off and leave the 99 unattended. If you're a woman who's lost a coin, and the value of this particular coin, by the way, is about a dime. You don't burn your expensive lamp oil looking for it. <clears throat> and when you find it, you don't blow a fortune on a party to celebrate. That would be ridiculous. And that's the point of these two parables. That is the kind of ridiculous, extravagant love that God has for us and the lengths that God will go to to seek us out when we are lost. The parable of the prodigal son works the same way. If this had been a simple, pious story, the runaway son would have gotten what he deserved. End of story. But that's not the way that it ends. When the son comes to his senses and returns home, his father runs out to greet him on the road which means that the father had been watching for his return. He'd been waiting for him. And when he greets him, he doesn't even wait for the son to get through his well-rehearsed speech about, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I no longer deserve to be called your son. Treat me as one of you would, your hired workers. He doesn't even let him finish that. And he greets him without a single question. Not, where have you been? Not, what did you do with my money? Not, how could you treat me this way? Instead, his father orders a celebration. And obviously, not everyone was happy to see this son return. His brother is furious. But notice what the father says to him. You are here with me always, and everything I have is yours. The father's mercy on the younger son doesn't diminish his love for the faithful son. God's compassion and mercy are not a zero-sum game. This isn't a competition for the father's love. And justice for the older son doesn't require punishment for the younger son. The word prodigal means extravagant or wasteful. So perhaps this parable should have been called the prodigal father because it's not really about the son. It's about the father who is so extravagant in his love that to his faithful son it appears to be wasteful.
all three of these stories are intended to lead us to reflect on the extravagant love that our God has for us. When we're lost, God searches for us longer and more tenaciously than we have any reason to expect. And when we are found again, we're welcomed without reservation, without conditions, and without hesitation. As you may be aware, this weekend marks the 21st anniversary of the terrorist attacks of 9-11 in the year 2001. And although a significant number of people in this room were not actually born at that time, I think this remembrance is important because those events left so many of us feeling lost. And some were physically lost, lost to us forever, but all of us lost a sense of security. We lost our expectations for the future, and we're left with unfocused feelings that the world has changed in ways that we are still struggling to understand. And it might be tempting to respond like the people of ancient Israel in the desert, who feared that they were lost because they feared that God had abandoned them. And in their desperation and in their fear, they made a new God for themselves. Actually, that sculpted calf made from metal was not really a new god. It was one of the gods of the Egyptians. Do you know how long they were in slavery in Egypt? 400 years. So they were thoroughly assimilated. And a lot of them had gone over to worshiping the local gods because they'd been there for so long. And the reason that they followed Moses out into the desert was, first of all, because it was a chance to achieve their freedom, but also because he was doing all of these miraculous signs to win their freedom. So they follow him out into the desert, and as soon as, Mo as Moses is off running an errand someplace, they begin to fear that they've been abandoned. So they go back to what they knew when they were slaves. But Moses, in this passage from our Old Testament reading, reminds both God and his people that they had an enduring covenant. They were not abandoned, and if they would only turn back to the God who loved them, they would find their promised land. Fear makes us do awful things. It can make us turn protectively inward instead of reaching out with compassion and mercy. Fear can make us blame whole groups of people for the actions of just a few. And when we are afraid, we can set up all sorts of false gods, suspicion, tyranny, racism, blame, despair, even genocide. The intent of terrorism is to force us to live in fear to put aside our courage and to allow ourselves to be paralyzed. Fear keeps us isolated and provides a rationale for surveillance and the surrender of liberties. Fear whispers to us that the world is completely different now and we are never safe, and so any protective measures are justifiable. But those whispers are only true if we choose to live in fear. And so you can understand why, when the risen Christ appeared to his disciples, 
the first thing he says almost every time is do not be afraid because faith and fear cannot coexist. Jesus constantly reminds us to choose to live with faith and to set aside our fear. And I think that's something important for us to consider in the face of evil and insecurity and grief when people are feeling lost in so many ways. This is a time for us to remember that we are also a people in a covenant with our God, and nothing can separate us from that love. If you're feeling lost or afraid, turn back to God who is already searching for you. One lost sheep, one missing dime, one runaway child, all of these are of infinite value to God who loves us and who searches for us and rejoices with us when we return to him.